filters are kind of even more relevant than ever and the personal touch in filtering algorithms look at bpm and people who searched for also liked whereas i'm searching for something like a feeling in music das ist der Telekom Electronic Beats Podcast, der Podcast rund um Nachtleben und Clubkultur. Wir sprechen mit DJs, Türstehern, Tänzern, Clubbetreibern und anderen Nachtmenschen. Mein Name ist Gesine Kühne und ich bin Jakob Töne. Herzlich willkommen beim Electronic Beats Podcast. Hello again, it's me, Jacob Turner, and welcome to the Telecom Electronic Beats podcast. As you can hear, we're talking in English this episode, as I met one of London's most wanted music selector, DJ and promoter. I'm talking about Benji B. Besides his regular radio show on BBC Radio One, he runs the event series and label Deviation and was working as a musical director for several fashion brands like Celine or Louis Vuitton. Benji told me how he gained his knowledge in music and where his passion for dance culture comes from. We also talked about the relevance of radio stations nowadays and about his way to work with different creatives of different disciplines such as Kanye West or Virgil Abloh. As some people may think now, A, did he travel to London these weeks during a lockdown? Of course not. We already recorded this episode back in September when I was still able to visit Benji in London. Also, he gave me a preview of his compilation, which was supposed to come out now, but unfortunately he had to push the release to early 2021. Nevertheless, I'm also very happy that we got our hands on this to give you a little sneak peek. Hey Benji, and welcome to the podcast, Benji B. How you doing? Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm enjoying the sunny London. Welcome to London. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Benji, you're a music producer, but you also produce radio shows. You're a very known, international known DJ touring the world. And you're also producing and curating music for fashion shows. What do all these things have in common for you? And why like how did they work by side by side um to me they're all the same thing they're different expressions of the same thing um and that thing is music frequency um they're basically different attention points along that spectrum but they're connected by the same thing the same force and the main thing that changes with all of those things is context context is the thing that changes how you approach them but um, it's often a very similar core skill set and passion that's required for all of them, which is, you know, a deep love and understanding um, and care about music, really. Um, so it's funny, I never really think of it in that way until you list all of those <laughs> things, because often when you're going at 100 miles an hour and you're just doing them, you don't think about all these different like areas, disciplines, whatever you want to call it. But um, it is true. I do all of those things. But to me, they're all interconnected the deep love or the the passion for music maybe also comes from from your parents i mean your father had a great record collection and uh, he was also very much into music do you remember your your first memory of music or how did you get in touch with music since zero music's been on current constantly around i've been surrounded by creative people and a musical world and as you correctly said also was lucky enough to grow up with an incredible record collection that was 
outside of the norm, let's say. Um, and, you know, both my mum and dad, very, very, very uh, instrumental in encouraging me to find my own musical identity and explore it. And I think that that's probably something I'm the most grateful for is that, you know, I often hear stories about people saying, oh, you know, I wanted to do music, but, you know, it wasn't encouraged. Well, in my case, it was the opposite. You know, any musical interest that I showed, whether it was wanting to take up an instrument or do this, that, you know, it was always was always fully backed and fully encouraged. And, and that's, that's, that's the biggest gift you can give anyone. Was there a key moment uh, that you can remember where you start digging more records and were more into playing records instead of like participating as an, as a musician? Yeah, I think, you know, I played, uh, I was musician from sort of like six, seven years old until about 20. And I think that in my sort of mid teens, DJing took over as a more immediate way to express myself because at that era in sorry in that time in that era um it wasn't like now where all you need is a laptop you know you kind of needed a studio back then you yeah know what I mean to make electronic music or to make beats or to make the kind of stuff that I was into at the time um so I mean, you, you started playing with the saxophone or you started playing saxophone back yeah then. I yeah I did I did. Um, I mean, that's more wow. difficult to record. You know all this stuff. It's amazing. <laughs> I did play saxophone from age seven, and that's a really good example of what you're saying is, you know, getting to a certain age where someone says, you know, or more specifically, my dad would say, well, what, what instrument do you want to play? And yeah. I say sax, and then off we go, and we're working out how to make that happen. I think know? most of the people were told, like, play the piano or uh, don't play the drums or not the saxophone because that Well, I wish I had noisy. played the piano, to be honest, because... If I could go back now and um, choose, I would probably do it all over the same again, but I'd also learn piano or guitar because piano and guitar are kind of like the keys to the musical universe, you know, in terms of understanding harmony, in terms of understanding composition. The thing about performance instruments like, you know, well, any melody instrument like the sax, trumpet, you know, whatever, those fundamentally come down to being very, very, very good at performing, like being yeah. very disciplined about doing your scales, very disciplined about performing. And obviously you can compose and uh, that goes without saying, but I think that you also have to be very, very high level to take that to a next level. Whereas if you learn piano or, or guitar, you can use that as a tool to be a composer. You don't necessarily have to be a virtuoso pianist. Yeah, you, know you can't I mean? play chords with a saxophone. <laughs> no, unfortunately you can't, no. But um But yeah, I did I did grow up playing music and then the bit where music DJing took over was I sort of fell in love with records really. Like I I was always obsessed with records. I was always trying to mix records into the radio, mix records into a tape, you know, even before I knew what I was doing. And um I became very obsessed with buying records and vinyl culture and all the rest of it, but really weirdly young, like 10, 11, 12, you know. Well, yeah, that's and, young. And then um by the age of 14 I was fully gone into DJing, you know, pirate radio, studying clubs before I was even old enough to go to clubs, you know. And and I think that DJing and mixing together records and, and the culture of DJing was super creative at that time and, and still is, of course, um, but was, uh, was, was kind of unusual. It wasn't usual. It wasn't like everyone was a DJ, you know. And so um, 
yeah, I got I got into it heavy around sort of 14, 15, 16 years old, I'd say. Yeah, I've read you you entered the clubs with the age of 15. Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, I started in, going super young, it's true. In, in the clubs, I mean, when you're 15, like everybody's older than you. Maybe there's a similarity to when you went on tour with your with the parents, well, what you, you told earlier that like when you're <clears> surrounded by creatives, you get used to it as a child. And then when you enter the club, I also heard or read that um you went there alone oh i went to clubs all the time on my own yeah because when i was at school and i was that age there was no one that really kind of on the same wavelength musically really or was able to do that but i i went a lot alone but in the knowledge that i was going to see people that i knew because at that time it wasn't like you just buy a ticket for a headline act or something. I wasn't interested in that. I was like interested in residencies. So I'd go to weekly nights where this, you'd often see the same DJs, the same heads. And then after a while you get to know people and that becomes a family of sorts. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And so there were a few club nights that like that where I had my own family where I'd just go and my family would be there. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like you didn't feel weird about turning up alone. It was like you knew every, who was going to be there. Even week. if you're early then the other came, just, just come. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, that whole period was, yeah, of course, there's social element, there's like saying hello to people, but it was really about music and music discovery. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was my musical discovery portal was going to nightclubs. It wasn't, it wasn't, um, it wasn't really about anything other than that. I was just obsessed with music. And so, you know, I was quite young and quite just had a super open mind and I'd just soak up the music and then I'd, and I'd go home. <laughs> You know what I mean? It was like, it was that simple. Do you remember the, the first night when you entered the club? Because I'm, I, I mean, I remembered my first time at a club and it was so impressive that I kind of got stuck into until today. I don't know. I don't know, remember which one it was. I mean, I think the ones that I went to first were not the cool ones because the ones that I remember we went to Hammersmith Palais once because it was like an under or you could get in easily or it was an under 18s night or something like that but that wasn't cool that was like a bit cheesy you know and then we went to a couple of cheesy nights at the camden palace which is now called coco but you know it that wasn't so i think the first nights that i went to were probably just like <laughs> you know keep it secret no i think they were just like They probably had like Baby D performing or like something like that. You know what I mean? It was like, or, or it was rave stuff probably, um, which were cool, but they weren't like serious nightclubs, you know? Yeah. And then um, I went to the Dome, I think in Tufnell Park, which was kind of easy to get into. I think there were a few places like that, but but um, no, the honest truth is I can't remember what the first one was. <laughs> but uh, you, can you remember the first radio show you were working on? Oh yeah, of course. Um The first radio show that I worked on was with Giles Peterson at Kiss FM. And um, how how did you meet each other? I mean, I he's... met him at one of those club nights. I met him at That's How It Is, which was his club night at Bar Rumba on Shaftesbury Avenue on a Monday night. And um, I used to go there every Monday. So you were a resident somehow. I, was, well. I was a resident yeah. <laughs> resident on the dance floor. Yeah. And, um, and I met him there when I was 16 years old. And we... I started working on his show at Kiss while I was still doing my A-levels, which is in the UK, you know, between 16 and 18. Yeah. And um, yeah, that was my first experience of a radio studio and I've been in one since every week for the rest of my life. 
why is radio still so much important to you or in general? It's a really big question, that one. I think it's important to me because it's a format that has meant so much to me for my whole life. Um, and therefore, at this point, it's kind of in my DNA. <laughs> you know, it's in my routine. It's in my understanding. It's in my like doing a two hour radio show once a week of new music put together in a way There's obviously lots of different interpretations of radio. Like if you go to America, radio means something different unless you're talking about college stations or NPR or something like that. You know, and certainly some people that think of the radio think about what you turn on at 3 p.m. when you get in your car, you know. And then in this life that I've had, I'm lucky enough to have been most influenced by specialist radio, which when I was a kid was the Internet. You know, that was my Internet. <laughs> That was my the source know. of yeah. Of that was my SoundCloud. That was yeah. my MixCloud. That was my whatever Discogs. That was my you know the radio was like unless there was two places to discover music, you know the clubland and the radio. Going to nightclubs and going to the radio. Those are the two places where you're going to hear new music. And obviously, even when the internet arrived, which became more common, sort of like late nineties, um, it was still the source. You know, because it it it's the format that had the most influence on me. Um, it just always did, man. It was just like such a special thing to sit down for two hours, you know, and hear your favorite DJs. And I was very lucky to come up in a time when there were some amazing DJs around. And so it was like a religion for me. And it was also like, you know how some people have weekly appointments with their favorite tv soap or tv show or whatever yeah. and they'll be like oh it's 7 p.m on a wednesday i've got to watch eastenders or whatever it is my thing was like oh it's 7 p.m on a wednesday i've got to listen to jumping jack frost on kiss fm you know or it's or or i've got to listen to randall or i've got to listen to fabian groove rider or 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 giles or colin dale or you know Max, there's so, an, so you had fixed appointments. I had fixed appointments with these people. Yeah. And this was before you could listen on demand and listen again. So you'd, I'd tape them. If I couldn't listen, I'd tape it. And I'd sometimes I'd tape it anyway and then listen to it throughout the week. So it's like an art form that I studied really. And um, it's still relevant to me today because there's no algorithm. There's no experience that can put together music in that way for two hours and present it and explain what it is and draw this kind of like draw this sketchbook over two hours of presenting new music and being a filter for new music. And so I think in a way, the answer to your second question of like, why is it still relevant <laughs> is because, you know, filters are more important than ever now, you know, in a world where we have just an abundance of amazing choice you know, filters are kind of even more relevant than ever. And the personal touch in filtering. Yeah, of course, an algorithm can say that because you like this one song by Carl Craig, you might well like this song by Moritz von Oswald or whatever. Like, you know, sure. And that's getting more and more sophisticated all the time. But in terms of a DJ mix, you know, putting together, I mean, I'm sure that we will be replaced by algorithms in about 20 years. Oh, you think so? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, if Spotify can correctly guess your music taste, as a playlist, you know, and you've got people using auto sync and mixing together. I mean, who knows where it's yeah. going, but it doesn't matter. Point is that radio is the one thing that's exempt from that because it's about personality and it's about personal taste. It's about personal, personal touch. Yeah. And it's also about connection with people. You know, I remember 
sometimes listening to great broadcasters like John Peel or, um, you know, people of that kind of stature who I'd probably put like David Attenborough or people like that, you know, in that category who make you feel like they're just broadcasting to you. You know, even if you're driving on the motorway, it makes you feel like the radio show is just for you. Like they're sitting in your ear yeah. and yeah. showing you new music. <clears throat> and um, and so for that reason, it's always been my portal. It's been my vehicle. It's been the way that I express myself. And it, that comes around really fast once a week, you know, when you have to come up with two hours of new music. And I think that the reason it's relevant to me is because it sharpens the diamond for me. Yeah. I can't ever become one of those guys that, you know, oh yeah, I'll go record shopping in a couple of months and see what's out there. It's like, I have to do that search every single week. So you have the approach that you're showing uh, week by week, every time new music. Oh man, absolutely. Like, but to a point where it's probably 95% new music. Like I repeat myself very rarely. So the flow is constant. Yeah. I think it's probably one of the most high turnovers of new music of any weekly radio show it must be because you know we spend at least two two days a week on it you know at least finding well, that's new music. a lot for two hours of yeah of that's how long it takes it's two days for two hours really you know because you're searching you know all the promos you're listening to all your promos then you're searching what's in the record shops then you're searching what's on the sort of i don't know sites blogs whatever you want to call it yeah um and then obviously what you have physically in your record collection i mean it's like it's a lot that goes into making that selection so yeah i told you it was a big question <laughs> but it's 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 still an art form that i care about i can understand conversely i can totally understand why some people are like radio that's a bit out of date now you know i can understand why they would say that yeah but, but I, for I, me it's not I really get the personal touch, like when you're referring. It's I'm, I think it's also uh, the same, or I think you you've said it that uh, the radio show is also the mixtape. Like when you're That's doing, how I approach it every week. Yeah, I mean, if I was to do a randomized mix show where I was basically going, okay, there, there's 25 songs that I like, bang them in a playlist. Yeah, that's that would take me half as long. It's just it's about presenting it in a way that means something. It's that, about, you know, I, my job has always as well been to link people's taste because not everyone that loves house music loves hip hop and not everyone yeah. that loves hip hop loves jazz, you know. And so it's about taking people there in a way that 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 makes sense, you know. Also getting people to stay on the show to maybe show some new, new aspects of music or like uh, somebody who's more into grime or or hip hop is you you can catch them with two songs and then you you sneak in a dance track and they're like okay wow i i wouldn't i wouldn't click and play on spotify or the spotify algorithm wouldn't surprise me exactly but now i got this this uh, wow moment exactly because algorithms look at bpm and people who searched for also liked you know whereas i'm searching for something like a feeling in music, like a certain soul in, in records that, you know, means something to me. So, yeah. um, but I'm always, you know, radio is also about the now. Of course we can, like, like anyone, I enjoy digging in my own crates and playing some old stuff, but my show is really about reflecting the now, yeah. reflecting what 
I have been doing also on the weekend when we used to be able to go to clubs. So it's finding that balance between listening music and club music, you know, because obviously if you hear me play in a club, I'm not going to play ambient music and yeah. jazz, you know, but why would I have a radio show where I can't express music to listen to as well as to dance to? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you can like show more your broader taste instead of in the, in a club where also the, the function ha plays a big role. Like yeah. yeah. And if I you're playing an ambient track after the dance track, people might yeah. stop dancing and yeah. maybe the vibe is going, going down. Well, I think that that's why, I, yeah, I mean, I can really understand why people get confused as to what I do musically sometimes in terms of the new audience. The, the people who know what I do never seem to have any confusion. They know that when they go out, they're going to hear me playing. They expect surprises. Dance music. Yeah. V very varied, but, you know, dance floor, tempo music or whatever. Um, and that on the radio, they're going to hear the breadth of my taste, like the, the diverse taste that I have. But I think that new promoters in dance music sometimes might listen to my show and go, oh, I, I, don't I don't get it. Yeah. I don't. I don't really understand what he does. Like that doesn't uh, work why, on the dance floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why are we going to book this guy? He's playing like hip hop and jazz or something. You know, yeah. it's like. And I understand that confusion, but traditionally that's always been my balance. You know, DJing. I'm from a dance music club background. You know what I mean. So, but I'm also from a hip hop background. You know what I mean. <laughs> You also started a, um, a party series in 2007 called Deviation. Mm -hmm. And I've also read that uh, you wanted to create a party where also DJ can play what they want to play and not yeah. to serve a certain expectation. Yeah, You started also on Wednesdays in London yeah, and also in a space where you wanted to be the only event that they, like the people have to really go there. And on purpose, they don't fall into the door and like say, okay, let's see what's happening here. Yeah. Why did you choose that approach? Um, because I found that always separates the people that are there by accident to the people that really want to be there. With clubs, I've always wanted to have, I'd much rather have 50 people that are passionate about being there for the right reasons than 500 that don't know where they are. <laughs> you know? Um, I and, can really understand that. And uh, <laughs> so for me... It goes back to your first question. It was all, all all about what I grew up with, which was going out on a Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know, Friday. Like, sounds crazy now because, you know, it happens less. But that was really the professional nights to go out. You know, Saturday, mm, difficult, yeah. you know, because... Lots of tourists, lots of people yeah, from outside. The weekday nights were always the music heads. Yeah. And so at that time, that's what I wanted to do. It was about sampling the best bits of the clubs that I grew up with as well, um, whether it be sound system, whether it be what you just mentioned. But yeah, it was for that reason really, is that I felt like starting it on a Wednesday um, at a kind of unusual destination meant that it would have to grow organically, even if that meant having it half full, a quarter full on the first one. I'd much rather play that long game of it building in a real way, you know, than to have it packed with a headliner on night number one because there's no longevity in that you know i wanted it to have its own community have its own um regulars you know and uh that's what every great residency should be really
I mean, when you look back or when you go through the lineups, then I'd say uh, from today's perspective, there were plenty of headliners playing that yeah. that show, but a very early stage. Um, like, how did you manage to like find the 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 right the right acts or the the ones that really maybe also um, yeah were were uh, innovative for a time? How did you find them? back then flying lotus floating points at the very early stage james play hanging around i read the same way i do now i mean it, it, those people are part of the dna of what deviation is and they're part of the dna of my radio show we're all part of each other's development you know it's a symbiotic sort of thing you know we um flying lotus as an example seeing it's the first mention name you mentioned you know was sending me cdrs beat demos before warp you know before records were released or whatever i just play them on my show i just have always had a direct relationship with artists to me it's not about ever who's going to be hot who's going to blow up you know what's cool anything like that it's just a direct love relationship with music and if it's something that i believe in then i'll play it heavily and at that time you know that was what was going on same thing with sam floating points you know he approached me in in at the club actually and gave me a cdr I remember it said myspace.com slash floating point <laughs> nice. in like handwriting and um i was like oh right and that just was in my pile of listening and i listened to it and it had love me like this on it and i was like what the hell is this and it was only a minute long and then we used to loop it up on the cdj and play it at the night and there's a lot of records that have their own story at the night um and yes the fact that there were a lot of musicians and DJs coming down when they weren't playing is the biggest compliment you can get. Yeah. It was a heads night, you know, and you'd look out and there'd be DJs, musicians, rappers, you know, producers, whatever. Like a DJ's night out. Kind of. Yeah. But in a really organic, natural way, it was, it's not something you can ever cook up on purpose, that kind of thing. It just has to happen naturally. But in terms of answering your question, I was just booking the people I was playing on the radio. You know, I wasn't booking people going, oh, wow, this person's going to be big, inverted commas. And a lot of them were successful already. It's just that in our grassroots music community, there's always been a sort of a network of understanding that. And it's the same now. You know, if Code 9 phones me up now and says, can you play at my night? I'm not saying, yeah, but how much have you got? You know, if Kenny Dope phones me and asks me to play or anyone that I respect in music, I could give you any number of names that have had that longevity of relationship with me. It's, it's not the same thing as when a promoter calls you up and says, do you want to play in such and such town on New Year's Eve or whatever? It's just a different thing. And that is the thing that's always, that's the roots of scenes of music, yeah. of genres. That's basically how it's always worked. You know what I mean? When I used to get booked at plastic people, it wasn't like, I'd like cancel other things in order to do it. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. that, that the, the sort of grassroots thing of doing what's at the core of what you're about is more important to me than anything else. So of course, as DJs, we go and get paid by doing other things. Um, but really it's those nights that are the genesis of all the best moments. And so there's a kind of interconnected relationship amongst artists so even the ones that you perceive as big at the time or not or whatever you know 
it was about really my relationship with those people and the ability to book them. It wasn't like I was forcing them or pressuring them to do it. Sounds it a bit like the time when you were 14, 15 and entering the club scene and had the feeling that like you were entering a family. Yeah, well, it is music. The music scene when it's at its best is a family of people. And there's a mutual respect that I have with producers and DJs across so many scenes and generations. I'm very lucky, you know, and that's because, you know, for those of us that make this our life, we can smell out pretty fast when <laughs> it's people that when there's a boomer when in, well when around. there's when then there's a hoover a hoover when people want to just come in and hoover up or have the liberty of saying selling off culture to the highest bidder or you know <laughs> that kind of thing i'm i i think music is a language that binds a lot of us and then also so is culture you know the culture of the hours minutes days years months that you put into culture in our culture, which is club culture and music culture is not, there's no fast forward for that. This, that's not the same thing as saying, Oh, you have to have been doing it for years to be in it. That's not at all what I'm saying. You can feel that energy from an 18 year old. You can feel it from a 40 year old. You can feel it's just an energy thing. It's like people, it's basically comes down to authenticity yeah, and authenticity and craft. And that, the the sort of um industrialization of the dj and club world has threatened that at times because people think okay and now i have to do this thing and this scene and this set on there and then boom 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 and then my career is set but in actual fact you know building up that kind of grassroots relationship with other djs even if it's a new scene you're creating yourself Yeah, you know what I mean of playing for each other and, and different things is it's it's not as you can tell I'm even having trouble even explaining it <laughs> you know what I mean it's something that you kind of feel yeah I get it I mean you, you can also already see this uh, or when you when you're telling that uh, the DJs just came by stopped by because they were into uh, for example or just to hang out because they were into the, the acts you were booking because they yeah, were they into the music it. yeah And you share the passion for for the artist, for example, and then you also also have like the passion to share that connects maybe more than the the business opportunities you can get because you're uh, I mean we are all or the artists are all visionary I would I would say so they are visionary yeah and so you know. yeah so you you uh, go after a certain vision and um, most of the time you match with, with other visions, you influence uh, each other. And uh, I think that's also a, a big part in, in then being part of the community. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, a big part of deviation was about introducing people to music and we were, you know, way ahead of our time in terms of, well, to me, it was normal to put, you know, moody man with, Hudson Mohawk or Kenny Dope with Flying Lotus or yeah. Jay David, you know, but that wasn't being done at all at the time. Music was much sep more separated at that time. So you got the house on the uh, on the one side, more beat driven on yeah. the other side, IDM. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was like, um, and we were celebrating the kind of very fresh music that was happening at the time. In a way, it was a physical manifestation of what I was doing on the radio. It was like a physical experience of the radio show in a way. Yeah. in terms of the artists that I was playing. But um, it was also about introducing people. Like I remember 
the the biggest compliment to any night is when people go because of the night not because of the headliner of course that helps of course people are going to go if there's an artist that they love and they're excited to see yeah but the faces that we used to look out on didn't change you know it was like there was regulars and then there was newcomers and it was like london's best kept or worst kept secret but it was a trust and the same and that's the biggest compliment you can pay anyone because that trust is the trust that i had for the club nights i went to so if i went to club night and they put on a certain dj you know i knew that that dj or that artist would be of interest to me because they were putting them on you know and i remember we had so many moments like that we had moments like <laughs> when i remember when dorian concept came for the first time and he dorian concept is an artist from vienna and um he was over from austria and he turned up and we had our regulars and they were quite our regulars were quite kind of hardcore music heads you know dancers as well yeah you know, like proper like serious dance floor kind of pressure it was quite a high pressure place to play yeah you had to bring your a game and i remember dorian concept stepped in and he had like at the time first of all he looked like a kid he looked like a <laughs> child because he looks like this innocent child and he had but he's a genius yeah and he I had this say. like bowl haircut you know like those click-on haircuts like the old beatles haircuts like this kind of like real bowl haircut and he had like a busted cardboard box with a cork synth in it and he just sort of took it out and it had a key missing and he put it on top of the box and i could remember the crowd looking at me and jude <laughs> kind of looking at us like who's this who's this guy you know what what you know and if ever there's a chart if ever there's like proof of never judge a book by its cover you know because like i just he just destroyed it like destroyed everyone you know everyone went crazy and and um and i remember moments like that being really special so that's a good example of at the time people didn't know believe it or not when hudson mohawk played at the club for the first time i'd say maybe 25 people there knew you know who he was and same, same thing when fly low played the first time maybe half the club you know what i mean a lot of people yeah. didn't know so it's like it is it is about introducing things that you believe in as well and standing behind them and not <clears throat> excuse me not always relying on book an empty room book a headliner how are we going to fill it let's make sure we book the most famous person possible but i think that's the that's the aim for every promoter who's really into music and really into like creating creative creative events that you like your name is getting people along because they knew uh, or they know that when they go there, they will experience nice music and they will listen to great artists. Doesn't matter who's who's going to play, but they just go there for, for the music to enjoy. I think that's the main goal. What I, I mean, when I promoted uh, back in the days or when I was doing events, uh, that was my main goal because I didn't book any headliner, but it didn't work out apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I wish... I wish uh, it would have uh, worked out, to be honest. But now, um, getting a little bit forward to the nowadays situation, I mean, there's there's no event going on right now because of uh, coronavirus, but you put together a compilation. How difficult was it for you to limit yourself to a certain amount of tracks instead of like having, for example, a two-hours... Uh, radio show then released i mean to your point the 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 club this compilation is about the era that you're talking about it was about 
I, I've been wanting to do it for a long time, and that's why it's taken a long time, is because every club night, you know, every club night that's a residency has its own classics. And those classics, some of them might be big tunes outside the club, but some of them really might not be. They might be obscure B-sides or 12 inches that just happen to be successful with your crowd. And then you play them once a month and then they become kind of like a residency staple tune. And that's what this compilation is about. It's about those records. So some people who were at the, at the parties, they will recognize and then they will have like very big emotions with it a hundred percent yeah okay. in different ways for different records it's like often the records are dictated by the people that were at party so when i'd play like certain records depending on the reaction or if it really worked for some reason or if i really believed in a song i'd keep playing it you know month in month out in my sort of warm-up sets or my opening sets which were kind of the hardest but also the most enjoyable and most rewarding sets to play was the set where you're playing from kind of like 9 p.m. when no one's in there all the way through to when the guest plays at midnight or whatever or 11 or wherever it might have been in those sets some classics were born i'd play at the end of the night as well and um those classics are the ones that i wanted to put on this box set and of course um i can actually do one better than telling you about it because you will be the first person to see this because i just got the finished vinyl oh really so yeah if you want to have a look at it yeah this is a world exclusive oh wow <laughs> um i literally just received this we we had it made oh, it's in, a, in it's this, a box it's a box maybe now i i need to describe a little bit yeah it's like uh i wanted to have it done as a as a four vinyl box set so, so it's really can... about a, it's a collection yeah it's a collection yeah oh wow and you when you open the box uh, you see uh pictures Of the parties, I assume. Yeah, yeah, really great. So you can also when you when you not attend the parties, you can get a a vision of uh, what was going on there. That's a list of everyone that played that we could find. You know, yeah, and um, as I said, it's it's a it's a crazy list. When you nowadays you see a lot of people who are very like on a high level not only headliners but very much like with big releases interesting releases nice development yeah so we did a four a four box four vinyl box set um because yeah i just wanted to make a box set as well that was really about clubbing this compilation is really about club music it's not You know, I've done compilations in the past that are like to whack on in your car or Sundays. And of course, you can do that with this as well. But this is really a celebration of music that was big at the club. And the thing about it is that also what I wanted to make was a box set that reminded me of having some of the most useful compilations when I was a teenager. Because when I was a teenager and or getting into or maybe let's just say a young DJ and I didn't have much money and whatever so you buy compilations where you have a lot of tracks you would play yeah and, but yeah. you'd buy but there was but they weren't uh, all djs would steer away from those compilations that had loads of tracks on one side there were some djs compilations like cl classic master cuts ones or whatever that would be cut like 12 inches so you'd have maximum two tracks on each side so they'd be cut really loud sometimes at 45 and they'd be basically like buying the 12 inch, but you'd get loads in a box set and sometimes you'd take out one and you'd go and DJ with it. And what I wanted to do was create something like that that was a time capsule of 
the classics from that era and really they're just songs that I chose so they're songs that as a DJ in a way that that are my classics and so in a way this is kind of like a full stop for me it's like a end of an era I can kind of now give this give this sort of time capsule box away <laughs> you know uh, yeah. as as years of kind of tried and tested songs because the other criteria were yeah it had to be big tunes for us but some of them are really really impossible to find on vinyl like for example that alice smith love endeavor which is a1 track yeah it's the first tune yeah. it had to be the first cut because i think most people that come to the club would associate that song more than many others with like being a deviation anthem um and all of these are anthems in their own way but like say for example the second track on there is um it's kind of random it's like it's just a 12 inch it's a, a Gilbert remix of Rick Wilhite from um this Detroit beatdown compilation that I used to play but we felt like it it got played enough for it to make it then you got big tunes like uh Detroit Experiment Think Twice and then Tarantula by Zombie then you got Carl Craig Sandstorms which is obviously a massive tune Lil Silver who is kind of like a unofficial official unofficial resident and then as you were saying you referenced some of the beat era stuff we've got like yeah. that represented because in 2007 that was definitely a very strong movement that we were representing as well it wasn't maybe music that we play at peak time on the dance floor but we definitely represent it at some point in the night um like Hudmo, Fly Low, Double O Genesis, Dorian Concepts, as I just mentioned. Yeah. And then, of course, there was the whole DMZ, you know, Mala, Joy Orbison. We've got Joy, Joy Orbison, Hyphe Mango on here, Mala, Lean Forward. Like, That's a classic. <laughs> massive tunes. And then Pearson Sound and the Hessel guys and, you know, people that have played a part in the in the lifespan of the club. And so you know for me i'm very proud of the music that's on here there's no major label music there's no big you know massive hits or whatever these are just our hits yeah so yeah it's deviation classics yeah yeah i'm really happy with it and i'm excited for it to come out and it has I can, made I me can feel... tell you're smiling while we're talking about it <laughs> yeah it has made me feel nostalgic because it it is quite a while ago now 2007 yeah and that period 2007 for the first 5 years is probably the main part of this box set. And now when I look back on it, it was a very influential time in music and, and club culture. Definitely. Um, now we're, we're, uh, we're looking at the product, at, at the record. We were also talking about um, your work as a radio host, mm. but we didn't talk uh, yet about fashion. Mm -hmm. Let's get more into into that direction as you were creating concepts like curation uh you were producing also music for runway shows how or is there a difference between making a record or curate a creation of a record of course i mean deviation classics is a special one as um, you connect a lot of emotions a lot of experiences with it but how is the process maybe different making a music or a musical piece or a curation for for a runway show than maybe for a radio show well the way you approach music is just about context so it is always different the context makes things like wildly different mostly in terms of length how things feel and sound changes on the environment and where it's being played like if you play 
you know, an eight minute house record in a club, in the right club, in the right setting, might not feel like eight minutes at all. Yeah. It might feel like just a house record, you know. If you play an out eight minutes house record at a fashion show that where the length of the show is only 12 minutes, it's going to feel like the longest eight minutes of your life. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's going to go on forever and ever and ever. And it's going to feel like it's, it. you know, context is everything, right? You know, just like we were saying, if you play some kind of experimental, glitchy, underwater ambient track on the radio at 1am or something, it might sound like the best thing you've ever heard in your life. Yeah. You know Soundtrack I mean? of the you, night drive. Yeah, exactly. Night drive on the motorway or something. If you play that at, at, at 1 a.m. at peak time in a nightclub, people will be like, what are you doing? Context, it sounds like an obvious thing to say, but the reason I'm saying it is because turn that obvious statement up to 11 and that's what defines the difference between the different things you're talking about. And fashion shows and runway shows are all about context, all about environment, all about pace, all about dynamics. Um, and the length and style and everything, all of these minute factors lead into making the perfect runway soundtrack. And it's not something that there's a rule book for, you know, yeah. the first time I ever did it, I just had to do what my interpretation of that was. It's like other people that do the same job will have a different answer for you. But for me, it was just like, that's, that's my understanding of it. You know, I didn't have any training in it or anything. I just had to use it. But everything that you're talking about is basically DJing. Even producing is DJing sometimes. Like curating of sounds and mixing together sounds that they work well? Or how do you A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Like DJing is knowing when to play the right thing at the right time and for how long and why. And what to mix it in with and not what not to mix it in with and why you can play a record and why you can't and if a record's already rinsed out or if it's not or can you revisit this one or is this the right time to revive this record it's like there are hundreds of like small references and things that go into the understanding of placement of music yeah. when you're a DJ and also then let's not forget understanding what club you're at you know what <laughs> I mean like I mean the, the room the room you're at the size that you're at the yeah. crowd that you're at you know playing at like club x is very different to playing club y also respecting their local kind of resident dj and what you know there's so many different things to consider as a dj that almost second nature after you've been doing it for a while the same is true on the radio and the same is true with applying that skill set to fashion and if you listen to a lot of the best records that are guided by djs they understand you know, like some of the best records understand have the best middle eight or they've cut out the cheesy bit or they know what to take out this 16 bar section or what's going to work best in this context because yeah. DJs understand that stuff, you know. And so runway is the same context. It's kind of like DJing, but in a much more nuanced way. You know what I mean? It's like understanding how to fit an expression into nine minutes or 12 minutes or whatever the length of the show is. I thought there might be an, a difference because you also have the visual aspects. Of course, well, yeah, on the yeah. club, as as you said, that uh, you also have the room and certain aspects that have influence in your performance. But for the fashion show, for example, there's a concept 
like it's not organically somehow because it's like you're working with also visionary artists like uh, Virgil Abloh for example who has a has a vision for his fashion and how this could be presented and you need to somehow adapt or adjust maybe you can tell us a little bit more about the the process when you work on that oh absolutely yeah the vi the visual side is is everything your job is to you know when you're doing music is to support the visual element to complement the visual element to enhance it to bring it out the only thing i could really compare it to is music for film score yeah, yeah. scoring films or scoring short films long films whatever it's like a similar thing you're supporting the visual element and adding an emotion to it as well you know as we all know from watching movies like if you heard like a horror soundtrack on top of a romantic scene it would be funny Or it would or, be wrong. Or scary. Or scary. Yeah. Or it would change how you feel. Or as you know, like one held note in a song can change what you think is about to happen. You know, if I show you a, a film of a door from the inside and it's silent, then you think it's a door. Then suddenly you put in some nice music or whatever. You think, oh, you're going to open it out to a sunrise or whatever. And yeah. then suddenly you put in like a discordant minor chord and you think someone's going to break through the door with an ax or something. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it, music is very powerful with visual and the same is true with um, runway shows. But I think the thing with runway shows is that it's a live experience. Of course, it's now streamed around the world. So it's a visual experience as well. But it's like, you're talking about reflecting whatever the core of the collection is that season, whatever the theme is, the environment, the set, the room, um, capturing the kind of musical mood that you and the creative director and the team are in at that time. Um, and then trying to like tell a story in a very short space amount of time. You know, as I said, time becomes compressed. Yeah. Because like nine to 12 minutes can feel quite long. If it's wrong, you know what I mean? But if yeah. it's right, then it flows. Sometimes one really interesting kind of like statement piece could be having the same thing going for that long. You know what I mean? If you get it right. Another thing could try and get lots of different expressions or choosing a texture, choosing a feeling. For me, it's like, uh, I, it's a very hard thing to put into words because when I start to talk with a creative director, or I start to talk through ideas music just starts to appear in my head. You know what I mean? Ideas start to form. And then as soon as I've decided on, well, in the case of what I'm doing at Vuitton, it's slightly different because we use, we, we work with live music every single time. Yeah. And in the other shows that I've done, it's more like me putting a soundtrack together. But in both cases, it's the same. It's like the music starts to form in my head, the curation, the uh, musical direction, the producing of what's going to happen it kind of just starts to, the records start to pick themselves, you know? Well, we were talking before the recording, we were also talking about speaking or talking about music and uh, you described, um, or you, you described the runway shows also with the feelings, with emotions. And I was wondering if it's easy to come along with somebody who's more into visionary aspects in terms of description uh, of the feelings or is it easy to match For example, I mean, Virgil, for example, he's very also very much into music. But um, is it easy to match on the same level of language when talking about 
certain emotions and also having like the same opinion about the music then with him yeah. absolutely yeah i mean we we speak the same language so it's easy to work with, with oh him. man it's a, it's like a blessing because when you work with someone that is fluent in the language of music you know and also has amazing taste in music and is as passionate about music and the culture of music and the lineage of music and everything that surrounds that yeah. as anyone else that you know it's just it just flows you know it's um it's always flowed you know what i mean it's 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 a blessing to be able to do it shout out <laughs> but was there um like a situation or a project where you were working with people where you were sitting there and trying to get what they were saying but they were basically saying like i i need upbeat and yeah yeah always yeah sitting in that situation <laughs> a lot sounds. yeah 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 of course i mean not everyone um can explain put anyone putting even you know people that work in music putting it into words it's a very nuanced set of kind of reference points and context and ideas so it's is sometimes difficult but i find that when you work with artists in whatever field whether it be visual arts or clothes or i mean you also work with design. music artists as yeah you like also we were also working with kanye and i i think you were also uh like you're producing a lot or working together with artists yeah and i think um that's it's crucial to have an understanding or the same speaking the same language and uh, when you were thinking about feelings emotions and share the same reference can be boring at some point but i mean it's a, it's a good but, starter then but yeah but there's it's like a one of those venn diagrams you always have shared references but everyone's a unique thumbprint like yeah. no one has the exact same references so we can all learn from each other yeah you know it's like um I find just as much value in talking to, you know, a 16, 17, 18 year old about their musical thumbprint as I do a 60 year old, as I do a 35 year old, like everyone's unique and we can all learn from each other's unique standpoint. Yeah. You know, when I meet someone that lived through like the heyday of punk or whatever, I'm really <laughs> interested to talk to them because even though it's not my music, like culturally it's just amazing for me when i meet someone that grew up going to like shoom and the hacienda and like the original summer of love in ibiza i'm like okay tell me everything yeah <laughs> you know what i mean and and the same thing is true of the wag club in london and you know the original scene that spawned like soul to soul and Sade and you know uh, a lot of the early jazz funk scene and all of that in london brit funk and all of that i'm like tell me same thing when i speak to someone that was there in the bronx in the late yeah. 70s i want to just sit down with them like a sponge same thing when i meet someone that was like yeah i went to the world and danceteria and the mud club and you know the garage and all of these places that are like folkloric level you know to me those places are more in interesting than going into like prehistoric world or you know any other period of yeah. time like those kind of titans of clubs are more exciting to me than any other period in history so you know it's the same we're all the same we all have that kind of 
fascination you know yeah, I, mean? I mean that's what i really like about my role in this podcast because i got the chance to uh, speak to yeah a lot of people mm. telling me about their background and about their story and in, in club culture yeah for example i had uh, the chance to talk to, to honey dijon some months ago and it was like for me it was really great because i of course i can i can read i can watch videos about the time of new york and uh chicago house but I mean, talking to Honey and then get all the stories and all the emotions. She can really yeah. tell me about how she felt, how it was for her to go out and to experience yeah. that time. It's a totally, totally different angle yeah. to really get these these stories, these personal stories. Well, that's why I'm lucky, lucky to do what I do with the radio because, you know, I've done... I did a two-hour co-host with Frankie Knuckles talking oh, about... Oh, great. You know, that yeah. or... Or even just talking to Theo Parrish for two hours about Ron Hardy and, you know, his experience of going to hear Ron Hardy every week or, you know, the list goes on, like talking to Mad Mike about, you know, it, all of that music is probably the most influential thing in my life. And so therefore, I have a, a kind of a, a level of respect for it that is hard to put into words, like no matter what happens in my life and where I end up, you know, in what career or whatever I'm doing, I will always look at that with the utmost respect in terms of being the kind of pillars and the f foundation for what I'm into. And I'm blessed to work with people that also aren't stuck. You know what I mean? Like most of the people that I surround myself with and work with are not stuck in ideas of the past. They respect the foundations, but are just as excited about what's, coming, what's happening in Chicago yeah. now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or what's happening in South London now. Those things are, you know, are of as much cultural significance. Like living in the present is so important yeah. in, in music and culture. Um, especially because I find that when I read mainstream journalism about music, people only recognize music after it's happened. You know, like I grew up in jungle in London, you know, it was pretty and, massive, and therefore drum and bass. Well, it was massive culturally. Yeah. It was massive on the street. It was massive at school. It was massive on pirate radios. But you know, like mainstream, mainstream dance media, press yeah. were really snobby about it. They were, we, they were not. You know, people want to rewrite history the whole time. Same thing with dubstep. Same thing with grime. Same thing with UK funky. Same thing with, you know, I'm sure there's equivalents of this all over the world. And so people love to kind of like look back and go, oh yeah, of course, you know, da, 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 da. Yeah. But actually, nah, the people were not really there for it at the time. Like we were living it, you know? And so for that reason, it's really important to be the own documenters of your own world. So when I ask you about your background or the music you, you feel, the, the surrounding you're in, then you can tell me. Because I mean... Or maybe when we meet in 10 years, you can tell me even more about your current, like what, what were you listening the last yeah, well, 10 years, etc. That's not, why I'm so lucky to have focusing. the radio, man. Yeah. You know, this is, this compilation is a the deviation. It classics. feels like a relevant moment to do a time capsule. Yeah. But it's not necessarily a looking back moment. It, it is a retrospective moment, but it's like a celebration It's kind of like a full stop on an era. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because we never did it and we wanted to do it for ages. And you know what's more important than anything? 
is that all of these tunes really stood the test of time. Yeah, that's crazy. So, yeah, and it's crazy. And when you look back on it, it was actually quite a pioneering time in music. If you look even like at Martin, Mala, Pearson Sound, Joy Orbison, you know, etc. Like these people kind of changed music a bit, you know what I mean? Or, or contributed to it at least. So, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, that's why I have the radio, man, is to always be able to reflect what's going on right now and, and, and to kind of celebrate the now as well as as well as um respecting the past for the last question i got noted what gives you the greatest pleasure but i can imagine it's uh what we you were saying like having the opportunity also on focus on the on the radio show and getting excited every time yeah i mean about the selection the the day that i don't have that moment where a tune makes me sit up in my chair and like get really excited or you know, buzzing about music is the day that I'll hang up my headphones, you know, but I'm lucky that I still have that. And every now, as you can probably hear, I'm so I apologize for being a bit blocked up. I'm like pretty run down. I've got a cold. I don't think it's coronavirus. Don't worry. <laughs> but, um, but I've, you know, we've just come out of a run of doing two pretty big, uh, shows and a couple of other things and multitasking basically where I'm no stranger to kind of like, losing myself in the music and doing all-nighters and stuff. So I'm a bit run down at the moment, but but my spirits are still super high because I'm continue to be inspired by music. So even when I'm run down and burnt out like this, the thing that keeps me going is music um, and creativity across the whole spectrum. But I think the thing that makes me happiest is when I hear music that has that special ingredient, that DNA. And people come up to me in the street when I travel or when I used to travel um, of and go oh this is a deviation record this sounds like it's deviation you know yeah. so we've obviously created some kind of identity with it and that's the biggest compliment i could have because records that have that deviation dna are still the things that make me excited and i love the fact that i can't put it into words what makes that you know what i mean it's just something that i can hear so yeah that's a good way to end the conversation i would love to speak to you uh, for more more hours maybe we get the chance soon uh thanks benji for yeah for giving us your time oh thank you for having me i'm sorry i'm a bit under the weather but you know it's all good i, I hope that we can get back to um being in clubs one day soon that would be cool wouldn't it and then we'll have a meetup uh in front of the dj booth yes it's been a long time <laughs> thank you thanks for having me man great to meet you That was my conversation with Benji B. I really found myself in several parts of his youth. And I was pretty impressed by his passion and his love for the music creator community that he didn't lose after all that time. I can definitely recommend checking out the compilation we were talking about. That gives you really an impression of a proper night at Deviation. I hope you enjoyed the conversation too. Feel free to leave a review on Apple or text us on Instagram. Gesine and I always appreciate your feedback. I hope to see you very soon. We'll be in touch. Das war der Telekom Electronic Beats Podcast. Abonniert den Podcast bei Apple, Soundcloud, Spotify oder Deezer. Wir sehen uns im Club. Bis dann.